Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Have you heard of the hashtag today years old? It's this thing going on on social media where people post, I was today years old when, and then they explain what they learned and their eyes were open. And some of the things are like, really, you didn't know that? That was just kind of common sense, I thought. And then other things are like, whoa, like I never knew that that actually existed or was possible. Sometimes it's just even simple things. Like I saw the other day, it's like, I was today years old when, and they used a potato peeler forwards and backwards and it was like whoa mind blown i'm not uh too familiar with kitchen gadgets one thing i learned on my own years ago was um when you pull up to a gas pump sometimes you get out and then you're walking over there like oh yeah and then you realize oh man like the gas caps on the other side of the car and then you realize on your dashboard there's a little picture of a gas pump where the fuel gauge is and it has an arrow and that tells you what side of the car the gas caps on so now you can walk out with confidence and be like oh yeah i know which side i'm pumping gas on now i know you're probably thinking okay kev you're actually just an idiot because all of these things are common sense and that could be it but before social media you couldn't learn these things on your own unless they were pointed out to you and explained to you and shown and usually it was my dad saying kev that is not how you use a hammer this kind of helps with the pride because you can kind of learn these things on your own but some of them are just fascinating uh so it, the, the hashtags today years old and i thought i'm like man it kind of applies to the text tonight because here's the thing we don't know everything none of us do and when we don't know everything or when we don't know how to use something we kind of make up assumptions and we get by with it and it's this adventure that we're on called life it's just part of the journey and it's a journey of learning of experiencing new things of looking back and correcting old ways of doing things it's a journey of forward movement and progression and it's a journey of learning and discovery and I don't think there's anything to, to belittle one another about or make fun of each other about because we're all on this journey together and we can learn from one another. And tonight we're digging into Acts chapter 10 and we're looking at these two guys, Peter and Cornelius. And both of these guys are going to have God speak to them in different ways and show them how he's at work. And Cornelius, he's a Roman centurion. And the centurions were considered to be the backbone of the Roman army because they weren't ones to make quick decisions and rush off into the action, but they were the ones to hold back. They looked over a, a hundred people and they would send them out. And they would stay back, even if their post was under siege, they would stay back and command and direct orders. So they were the calm, steady presence. And then Peter, on the other hand, is this Jewish guy who was a fisherman. And then Jesus says, follow me. And he gave up everything and became a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. And he was often making rash decisions. And he's making judgments and mistakes. And he's always getting called out and corrected. He's all over the map. But he was also one of the 12 disciples that Jesus commissioned to go out and share the good news of Jesus. That Jesus is alive and that Jesus is the Messiah. And as we've been tracking through Acts and tracking a little bit with Peter, in our text tonight, we're going to see that Peter discovers, I was today years old when God expanded my eyes to who belongs. We're going to see tonight that we need to look beyond our current or perhaps even hidden assumptions 
to discover that everyone can find belonging at the table with Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 10. We're going to be reading the first part of this story, verses 1 through 23, and then we'll pick up next week, 23 to 48. So Acts chapter 10. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. The angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. In this story, Peter reminds us that we need to look beyond our assumptions to discover that everyone can find belonging in Jesus. Belonging is found at the table with Jesus. Belonging is found by looking beyond our assumptions. Because here's the tricky thing with assumptions. They keep us and others away from sitting together at the table. So for example, when it comes to, to me, it's, I have this assumption that, no, I don't belong. You don't realize the things I've done in my past and what I'm actually like. I'm not good enough to sit here. So I keep myself away from the table. Or when we apply assumptions to others, we kind of view them as, well, you're not good enough to sit here. Like, I kind of know your past, or I kind of know what you've done. Or, or, and we break it into the us and them mentality, and we pit each other against each other, and we prevent people from sitting with us. And it's kind of like high school much? Like, oh man, the cafeteria trying to find a seat was the most stressful time, and you're just hoping there's a friend who's like, hey, I have a seat over here for you. But why do we do these things? Why do we behave this way? It's the assumptions 
the assumptions that we're not good enough, that we don't belong, that we're not like others, or they're not like us. But tonight, I want us to try to look beyond some of the assumptions we've made as believers and as followers of Jesus that are at play in this text. And we're going to be looking at it through the eyes of Peter, because most of you watching this message tonight are probably relate more to Peter than Cornelius. Now, I admit that's one of my own assumptions, but I'm going to go with that because I think it speaks to us who are followers of Jesus, who actually gather together for these, these times of church and edification and worship. And here's the first assumption that we need to look beyond. Assumption one is that God can't change. What? Like, now I know I've probably just stepped on some toes here, and that's okay. Your mind's probably like racing to verses such as Malachi 3.6, where it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. And you're thinking, oh boy, Kevin's lost it. He's treading on some pretty scary ground. And But bear with me. Let's look at the text. Peter's out on his roof, and he has this sudden vision of a sheet coming down. Dad joke alert, I often call this Peter's holy sheet moment, where this sheet comes down and he's like, Oh, sheet. And, but then God tells him to get up, kill and eat these animals that have up to this point been deemed impure and unclean for a Jewish person to eat. And in verse 14, it's kind of funny because we have Peter saying, no, I'm not going to eat anything you're telling me to eat because of what you've told me. It's like, what? Like Peter is resisting God in the name of God. So God repeats this to Peter three times. And if you know much about Peter, this shouldn't surprise you as he often resisted Jesus or others accusing him of knowing Jesus three times. It, it's kind of this common thread in Peter's life. You see, Peter's assumption is that God can't change. But here's the thing. Peter's assuming he already knows God. Peter has his mind made up. Peter has God in a box. And man, oh man, I can relate to this. Can't you? Like, but what do we mean when we talk about God? You see, sometimes we come across as if to be so certain of this is who God is, this is what God wants. But what if God's trying to interject and say, hey, you're missing some of it? You're, you're missing the point. You're missing this, this other aspect of me, this larger part of me and what I am up to. Take this, for example. Your kid's across the street playing with a friend, and it's time for dinner. So you call across the street and say, hey, come on, it's dinner time. So they run out the door, and you see traffic coming, a bunch of cars, and you're like, don't cross the street. So they stop. And then the traffic dies down, and then you say, okay, cross the street. In that moment, are you contradicting yourself? No. In that moment, have you changed? No. See, the initial command was the right one for the time. And that's what's happening here with the Mosaic Law in the Old Testament. Paul and others in the New Testament are clear that in light of Jesus, it was to be seen as God's word for a particular period and purpose. So, in fact, God hasn't changed, but what we know and understand of God has. 
See, it's a tricky assumption because as soon as we say, well, you're assuming that God can't change, our walls go up and we say, well, God won't change. And you're right. God's character doesn't change. His faithfulness doesn't change. His love for you doesn't change. His promises don't change. But perhaps what we know and understand of who God is, is changing. So God here is opening up Peter's eyes to see beyond his current assumptions about who's in and who's out. And he's simply saying, Peter, the good news of Jesus is for everyone. But we then have to overcome a second assumption. And the second assumption we have to overcome is that I don't have to change. Hey, this is on others, not me. But let's face it. As Christians, sometimes we suck. Simply said. <laughs> we can sometimes unconsciously, subconsciously, however, have this whole list of expectations for everyone else to live up to. But while we're busy pointing the finger at everyone else, we're missing and forgetting about the three that are pointing back at us. And it's nothing new. Even Jesus called out the religious elites of his time for the same problem. Something about a speck in the other person's eyes and you're missing the plank in your own eye. This assumption gets right to the point that we all need to be ready and willing to change and be transformed as our eyes may be open to seeing something new. See, one thing I loved about my late friend and associate pastor, Ken Strom, is that when he was 70 years old, he bought a MacBook, one of those nice white shiny MacBooks and an iPhone. And he was always up for learning something new. You see, our whole church ran on Macs and everything just worked seamlessly if you were in the Mac ecosystem. So he wanted to be part of it, so he went out and bought himself a MacBook so he wouldn't throw us off by using his old PC. And I loved his openness and that he was always wanting to learn new things. And here we have Peter in the text who's having his eyes open to something new that God is doing and he's being invited to change and be transformed. So at first there's this resistance, but you see, in addition to some of the, the practices between Jews and Gentiles, it had been food that had kept Jewish people and Gentiles separated because the Gentiles were considered unclean based upon what they had eaten, based upon what they had put into their bodies. So the voice says to Peter, don't call something unclean that God has made clean. And here's what I love. God invites Peter to change. God invites Peter to be transformed by this new thing happening, which in turn will reach and transform the Gentiles. See, oftentimes we like to think, oh, no, no, they have to change to become more like us. But God's saying, no, 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 I want you to change. And as you are transformed and made new, you are going to go out and you are going to let them know that they too are invited to belong, that they too have a spot at the table, which in turn will change and transform them. But God starts with Peter. He's inviting Peter not to go and possess Sometimes we read that go, kill, eat, and it's this like, I have to go out and attack. But he's not telling him to just go and possess these things, but rather he's saying, he's inviting him to enter in to this new movement of God, 
this new kingdom of Jesus. He's inviting Peter to become part of this thing that's happening that he never would have imagined himself part of. Like he said, whoa, I've never done that. He's being invited to enter in and to become part of this new family. How? Through eating. And this is an important thing because I believe this grows out of another invitation to eat. One that's offered by Jesus, by his savior, by his friend who says, this is my body, which is given for you. There's an invitation to become part of the family through eating. You see, in Jesus' day, eating with someone was an intimate act. And it wasn't just an act of hospitality. It was a statement. This is why it was so shocking when Jesus would be found eating and drinking with sinners. Because as often author Aaron Chambers puts it, when people ate with others in the time of Jesus, they were stating that they were willing to be connected with and that they accepted the individual or group with whom they were eating. That's pretty radical. That's pretty revolutionary and shocking. So God is inviting Peter to be changed and be transformed through eating and by expanding the table. Peter is being forced to look beyond his assumptions and recognize that there is belonging at the table with Jesus for himself and for others, and that they're all invited to sit down and eat together. So while Peter's mind is being exploded and expanded up on this rooftop, Cornelius has sent two men to go and get Peter and bring him back. So there's suddenly a knock at the door. The Holy Spirit assures Peter, it's okay, go with them. But here's the third assumption that we need to look beyond in order to follow this journey and this trajectory. It's like the assumption that, well, God's at work here, not there, right? Like God is at work on both sides of the door. Or for our current situation, God is at work on both sides of the screen. I know where he's at work in my life and and the things he's working on and refining. And I know that he's at work on your life as well, on that side of the screen. He is at work in our community. He is at work on both sides of the door. And to think otherwise is temple thinking. Like it's that, no, God only works here. God only dwells here. But Jesus made the temple redundant. You see, Jesus is now the place where and the means by which God meets his people in grace and mercy. Jesus is where we meet God and Jesus is everywhere. He's not confined to the temple. But I think we wrestle with this all the time. And I think COVID has even kind of heightened and highlighted some of this struggle as well, because we know ourselves best. We know how God's at work in our lives, but we often fail to recognize that God's also at work in the lives of others. It's like, well, I know he's at work in my life, but he can't be at work in their life. I don't, he must not be at work on that side of the door. But God is even at work in lives of people who may not even yet believe. Can you imagine? The spirit of God is on both sides of this door. He's outside the door with these two seekers 
and he's inside the door with the perplexed Peter who's just trying to make sense of what's happening. I'm not sure if you noticed this earlier when we read the text, but the centurion, Cornelius, he was already searching for God. It mentioned that he was already a God-fearer and that he wasn't Jewish, but he followed some of the Jewish practices and he was even respected by some of the Jewish people. Peter, on the other hand, was Jewish, had an intimate relationship with Jesus, even witnessed the resurrected Jesus. But who is the most responsive in this text? Cornelius. Verse 7 says, As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called his servants, told them what happened, and sent them off. You see, Cornelius acted on what God had spoken to him. Whereas Peter, he had to look beyond his assumptions to see what God was up to and inviting him into. And I think that's the same invitation that we have tonight is that we need to get beyond our assumptions. We need to look beyond our assumptions to see what God is actually up to. God loves you. He longs for you to come to the table. He longs for you to find that you are accepted and that you belong. See, God loves and is at work in the lives of those around you as well. And he longs for you to invite others to the table. It's not just about us. It's not just about me and Jesus and we're all good. Jesus is also wanting to work in and through you to reach those around you. And he's already at work in their lives. He's already at work in the places where he may be leading you. But are you willing to look beyond your assumptions to remain open to how God may want to reveal himself to you and what he may want to reveal about himself to you? Are you open to the changes and the transformation that God's wanting to do in your life? And are you open and alert to the places and people in whom God is already at work? I get that being open to these things is scary. It's like opening the palm of our hands. And when we do that, we expose the most vulnerable part of our hand. That's why it's easier to be closed-fisted and defensive. But you know what? I believe that when we open ourselves up to God and what he wants to do in our lives and through us, he is able to fill us with so much more than we could ever imagine. More love, more joy, more peace, more hope. And my hope is that you'll join us again next week as we continue this story, as we track with Peter and how he opens himself up to this radical new adventure and how God continues to move in Cornelius and his household. Friends, you are so deeply loved. You matter. You belong. You have a spot at the table. Will you pull up a seat and join us? Will you lean into Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior, as the true king of the world? He's sitting at the table saying, come, you are invited. You belong here. And you, will you allow Jesus to open your eyes to transform you so that you can expand your table and welcome more? Jesus says, this is my body given for you. Let me leave you with a few questions to think through and perhaps discuss with a friend or spouse or even your kids throughout the week. 
and then we'll we'll worship with Hillsong and their song come alive and that's my prayer is that Jesus comes alive and brings us to life to new life tonight so the first question is what assumption do you struggle with the most and why do you think that is out of the three assumptions that God can't change that you have to change or that God's at work here not there which one do you struggle with Secondly, do you agree or disagree that God can change? If so, in what ways do you think he can change? And how does it make you feel? This is an uncomfortable question. So how does it make you feel? Because I know many of us can get very defensive because we have God in a very particular box. But then third, how does it make you think differently to realize that God may already be at work in another person's life? who may not even claim to know or believe in Jesus yet. Join me in prayer. And if you want to discuss those questions further or bounce your thoughts off someone, feel free to reach out to me. You have my number. You have my email, kevin at thewellbinbrook.com. And I would love to journey through some of that with you. But pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives, for who you are, and for waking us up to who you are. God, I pray now that you continue to reveal more of yourself to us and that we can look beyond our our assumptions to be able to see exactly who you are and where it is you're at work. God, may we join you and participate in this movement of expanding your kingdom around our globe. And God, let it just start with small, simple acts of love, of kindness, of joy, and hope. Be with our church family now, Lord. Strengthen them, encourage them, and let them know you are there. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship now with Come Alive.